Welcome to Nutrition Without Compromise, a podcast brought to you by Orlo Nutrition. We believe that nutrition shouldn't be an either or, that you should never have to sacrifice your morals for your health or that of our home planet. Join natural products veteran Karina Belizzi and experts from around the globe as they discuss healthy solutions that are better for you and better for the planet. Welcome to another solo cast episode of Nutrition Without Compromise. I'm your host, Karina Belizzi. Today, I'm going to take you on a journey as I reflect on the wisdom of prior guests who share what it takes to build a healthier, fuller life. I'm going to also walk you through some recent research and scientific advancements that when properly implemented can positively impact your ability to achieve your health goals, to attain your best health and live your best life without compromise. And remember, while many of us develop health goals around the arrival of the new year, this really should be an ongoing effort to achieve optimal wellness all year round so that you can live a long, happy, and fruitful life. Health is a journey. It's not a destination, after all. And before you dig into what your goals are and how you'll get there, you need to first assess where you are right now. What's holding you back? And be honest with yourself. I'll give you an example. Recently, I realized that I wasn't making it to the gym for the weightlifting that I truly love doing. I made excuses. First, it was that I was busy or that when I was able to make time, it was at the height of traffic or wouldn't allow me enough time to do the full workout that I really wanted to do. These were quite clearly, as I reflect on it, all excuses. The danger is that too often we make these excuses into reasons through justification. So when I reflected on why I wasn't making it to the gym three, four, five, or my usual six or seven days a week, I realized that I had stopped enjoying it. Why? Because there was some truth to the When I am able to go, I do not have enough time to do what I want there. But the reason that that's true is not because I didn't have the time to do what I wanted. It was because the gym that I'd been going to for many years had gained too many new members. And as a result, it was just always busy. I wasn't able to keep my burn going between sets. I would feel pressured to leave the leg press I'd just been using to allow another person to cut in, work out a bit. But then, you know what? They wouldn't pay me back the same courtesy. They'd sit there on the machine for three or four sets. So I essentially lost my place in line, had to move on and wait for another machine. Frankly, it sucked. So after eight years at the same gym, I went back to another gym that's actually closer to my house. It's nicer. It has a pool, a big sauna, a steam room, and a cold plunge. You might wonder why it took me so long to make the shift, given all of that. But really, the reason is simple. As humans, we are also creatures of habit. We get into a groove that we're used to, and we resist change. It's kind of bred into us. In this case, with the nicer gym just down the street... As you might expect, it's more expensive, more than double the cost, in fact. And 
It's also a lot less busy as a result. (laughs) You get what you pay for, as they say. But also, as it would turn out, my insurance has a program that covers half the cost of that particular gym. So now I'm driving less to get there, creating less carbon that's polluting the atmosphere, enjoying more time actually doing the workout and less time driving. I'm enjoying my workouts again. I'm hitting the sauna after a workout and I'm back in my rhythm of daily attendance at the gym. And guess what? My body feels the difference. And the only days I've missed since I've made the switch have been those in which I was traveling or sick. Well, also when they were closed on Christmas. (laughs) I love it. And so the reality now is that after six months or... Okay, if I'm being truly honest, maybe it's closer to a year of not being in my fitness routine at the old gym and only a month at the new one, I'm almost lifting the same weight again. And while I may not be doing quite as many reps or sets, I'm getting closer each day. I see the difference in the mirror with the return of muscle tone and my face looks leaner. My neck even has less of a waddle. I appear younger. The new space, the new routine, the new class opportunities, they're all keeping my fitness journey fresh. What more could I really want? So as you think about where you want to head in 2024, be honest with yourself. And guess what? A solution may reveal itself that just makes the whole thing easier to achieve. Think about what, if anything, is holding you back and work to remove barriers while building new, better practices that you can enjoy. Because guess what? When we enjoy the healthier habits that we're working on, we will be much more likely to reach our health goals. It'll be easier to reset. So if you get partway to your goal and you're realizing you're not quite there, you don't have to go back to square one to get there again. You could be at step two or three or four on your way to that 10th step that is your ultimate wellness goal. So let's talk about health goals. A common goal that most people share is having a high level of energy to feel fit and trim and to be free of major gripes and pains. Some of us also refine our goals and anchor ourselves with something more definitive, like fitting into the jeans we wore a few years back or filling out those jeans if we've lost some muscle mass. Some measure these numbers on a scale or those displayed on a measuring tape. Neither of these is bad so long as it's anchored in realism and structured in such a way so as not to become an obsession. And so I'm saying this to all my skinny girls out there. I know that we have together probably confronted moments of obsession where suddenly you're only eating a certain meal to try and get to the point where you are in those jeans on a timeline because you want to be in that beach body swimsuit that you have been looking at for, you know, the past six months. So We can get there, but we need to be realistic. And we also need to not obsess because obsession in itself can lead to that kind of swing right back to where you started, discouragement, everything else. Um, They can lead to addictive behaviors, eating disorders, and more emotional and physical issues down the road. So remembering to anchor ourselves with a common sense approach can be very, very helpful. We'll get back to this and research around goal setting in just a bit. But first, I want to offer a reflection on a few podcast episodes that I think you should revisit or listen to if you haven't already. Let me quote Dr. Joseph Maroon here. He said that he wanted to die young, as old as possible. 
This perspective is one that really resonated with me. You know, to support his journey, he came up with a relatively simple protocol to help you also achieve your ultimate wellness goals. He refers to this as square one. If you follow his program, you'll work to balance four main pillars of your life. I call them pillars. He calls them, you know, the edges of a square. Think of it as your work, your spiritual life, your social connections, and your family. If each of these pillars were to be the same height and you organize them as a four-sided shape, you would end up with a perfect square. Well, mine, at many times of my life, looked more like a trapezoid or definitely not a four-sided square. It was a four-sided weird shape, to be frank. And so by learning from Dr. Maroon and really thinking about how to integrate these principles into my daily life, I actually got to a space where I felt healthier and happier in my day-to-day. And I've seen that reflected in other people around me as well. When they get that balance right, they just feel better. Now, who is Dr. Joseph Maroon? He is a highly specialized doctor of medicine. He's a neurologist, a neurosurgeon, a clinical professor of neurological surgery, and he's also the team neurologist for the Pittsburgh Steelers, an honor he's had for the past 47 years. He's lobbied Congress and the NFL to put more controls in place in high school and professional sports so that he can reduce the instance of traumatic brain injuries in athletes. Because as he saw in his practice, every concussion meant a potential serious issue down the road. This was especially true when he saw compounding effects of multiple concussions. And he's also himself an Ironman triathlete. So to this day, in his 80s, In the podcast episode, he actually jokes that these days he's finishing first in his age group, though he may be the only Ironman triathlete competing in his age group. I'm going to be sure to provide a link to that insightful interview with show notes. I think you'll get a kick out of learning from him and hearing his stories directly. A few months ago, we dove into the topic of mental and physical health with the renowned psychologist and expert on self-hypnosis, Dr. David Spiegel. We learned with him that a few simple exercises that each of us could learn on our own, self-hypnosis, could actually give us a better chance of reaching our health goals. From quitting smoking to ceasing the bad habit of overeating or only eating to the point of feeling full, he has been able to see many, many individuals through to really attain their health and fitness goals, to quit smoking, to say goodbye to bad habits, and to say goodbye to overeating. He shared research that suggests that weight loss and weight loss goals can more easily be attained with the support of self-hypnosis. It works because it helps each of us reframe how we see ourselves, and it retrains our brains to accept a new and healthier pattern as our new normal. It essentially carves a new path, creates a new normal, so that well-worn path can be one that creates healthy habits for you. If you listen to that interview itself, you also heard about my personal experience with self-hypnosis as a definite skeptic when I tried the Reverie self-hypnosis app on my own. Now, this is something that Dr. Spiegel helped to create to amplify his efforts from the one-on-one patient perspective to something that could be used more broadly. The app is offered at a reasonable monthly cost and even can be tried out for free. So look, if you're a skeptic too, it doesn't hurt to give it a try, especially if you're trying to break a bad habit or if you just need a little help, a little extra support. 
Truly, this tool can be a real game changer. And listeners of this show, listeners of Nutrition Without Compromise, qualify for an added discount and a bonus. So check out the show notes for that link if you're interested in giving it a try. Moving on to just basic nutrition, we had the pleasure of interviewing a few times on this podcast, Dr. William Lee. So over the past year and a half, you've heard him talk about his protocol, about his work with Eat to Beat Disease and Eat to Beat Your Diet, both of which are now New York Times bestsellers. We got the chance to first learn from him in spring of 2022, as we talked about that first book, Eat to Beat Disease. And then I took his four-week course around that book's content and produced weekly episodes that shared my experience of that course and provided downloads of key takeaways that could help our listeners gain from my personal experience. Then we reconnected on his work with Eat to Beat Your Diet. While his program is seemingly very simple, implementation of any new healthy diet and plan takes a little time, effort, and energy to implement. So on that note, I'm diving into the research with all of you to provide a few tips that can help ensure your success and goal setting so you can create your optimal health. First and foremost, I have to tell you one of my go-tos, which is simply creating a health journal. It doesn't have to be complicated. This is a first step in building reasonable goals. You can build a self-awareness around what your daily habits actually are, understanding where you start your day and how you go through it. So you do have to do a little bit of work logging what your habits are. You know, what time did you wake up? How much water did you drink? When did you eat? And when you ate, what did you eat? And then later, by using a simple app, you can always analyze what that caloric content really was. So you just have to get honest with yourself and build out a simple health journal. Now, this could be done electronically. It could be done in paper form, whatever you're really comfortable with. I always personally like to start with paper, and then I get more techie from there. There have been studies on effective goal setting, and those that take the trouble to write down their goals and have documentation to provide accountability are much more likely to achieve their goals. They are also likely to recognize when they've fallen a bit off their patterns or if they need to adjust their goals precisely because there's a practice of documentation and reflection integrated into their wellness routine. Many health journals and templates are available online, but you really don't need anything fancy. You can turn any blank notebook into a health journal. Here's an example of some things that you should consider tracking each day. First, how is your physical health today? How do you feel? Why? How is your emotional health today? Was it an up or a down day? How much water did you drink? Caffeinated beverages? Alcohol? What food did you eat in each meal? Or a snack? What supplements did you take? And what exercise did you perform that day? What was the duration? Perhaps what exercises did you do? A little description doesn't have to be too complicated. And then on a weekly basis, it's important to measure your results. For those who weigh themselves, it's a great time to check in. Choose the same time of day, one day a week to do this. While those of you that are athletes tightly managing your exercise and food game may weigh yourselves daily, that's really not necessary for most people. 
Weighing yourself once a week allows you to chart progress and won't dissuade you too much if you weigh a little more or less than you did yesterday because you won't know what you weighed yesterday. If you're tracking your health and practicing good habits, your weight should naturally move in the direction that you want it to over time because that's the goal you're working towards. But the scale is not the only number to measure. You should consider measuring your body in a few key areas to chart your progress. The two areas that I consider non-negotiable are waist at its narrowest point and hip at its widest point. Charting these two numbers will help you measure changes in your visceral fat. Visceral fat is that fat that sits in your midsection between your organs and on the outside too, right? Having excess visceral fat is associated with all sorts of health complications, so bringing this number down can be incredibly helpful. Also, there is science behind managing a healthy waist-to-hip ratio. Did you know that the Japanese government even monitors the health of their population through this number? Think of it like a more effective body mass index, or BMI. It doesn't depend on weight and height, but rather real measurements that help track your body's fat distribution and visceral fat. A waist-to-hip ratio of 0.8 or lower is considered low-risk, whereas a 0.81 to 0.84 is moderate and 0.85 and higher is high risk. The great thing about this particular ratio is it it doesn't assume that someone who weighs 165 pounds at 5 foot 5 is overweight and unhealthy with a BMI of 27. That person could be carrying a fair amount of muscle mass that isn't accounted for in the BMI number. That same individual has, let's say, a 30-inch waist and a 44-inch hip, you know, a bit curvy. They could have a waist-to-hip ratio in this case of 0.68, putting them in the lowest risk category, even though they might be considered overweight if solely relying on BMI. This is the magic of looking at more than one number, and you still have something to monitor over time, so it can help you to be accountable and see your progress beyond the mirror and beyond the scale. A big question often comes up about how long it takes to build a new healthy habit. You may have heard that 21 days is really it, but the answer to this question can really vary from person to person. Psychologists and neuroscientists haven't come to any hard and fast rules. They seem to agree that proper motivation is key to achieving success and that measuring results and having some sort of accountability can also help. Some choose to do this by sharing their stories on social media or by attending Weight Watchers meetings or by having a fitness and accountability partner, hiring a trainer, or just logging progress and posting it on their bathroom wall. There isn't any right answer here. It's finding what works for you and sticking to it. So that age-old adage that it takes 21 days to develop a new habit shouldn't be discounted, but you'll find much quicker success if you scratch your dopamine itch and building a new habit that you actually enjoy. I'll give you an example. Back in 2008, I decided to train for and run marathons with team and training. Now, I had never been a runner. In fact, I hated running. I didn't understand how anyone could ever enjoy running. And I thought that runners weren't even honest about their love for it. I thought, I hated it so much that they were just gluttons for punishment because I was blind to the experience of running. I had never been past the point of pain with running. It always hurt. And here I was, 
deciding to train with a group of motivated individuals because I wanted to prove I could do it and because I wanted to honor my friend who had been diagnosed with stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Now, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society has a group called Team and Training. Team and Training is a program run by that not-for-profit, but it's kind of separate too. People who participate raise funds to cover their bib fees, travel expenses, and to provide funds to the LLS so they can continue their good work. So in going to this program, I had checked that motivation box that both psychologists and neuroscientists agree is critical for success. But I still hated running, with a passion in fact. And then I checked the next box, kind of unexpectedly. I enjoyed the training. While I still hated the actual running when we were doing laps at track or putting our three to five miles on in that first few weeks, I really enjoyed training with the group of people. And we weren't always just running. We did relays and track exercises, all sorts of stuff, really. While we ran grueling miles together, we also bonded. We bonded over shared losses and the pain of really long runs. And we got stronger, fitter, and faster together. Somewhere along the way, I got past a three-mile run without hating it. And then I got past a five-mile run. And then an eight-mile run. The defeatist language that I had held in my heart since the age of 13, when I was told by my PE coach that I would quote, never be a fast runner, was put to bed. I went from my fastest mile being an 11 or a 10-minute mile to a 9, then an 8, then under 7 minutes. Now, it took time. It took perseverance. It took fine-tuning my diet and exercise regimen and countless hours of training, but I got there. And by spring of 2009, I had not only completed full marathons and half marathons from Hawaii to California, I ran the Boston Marathon for my ultimate victory lap. And here's the shocking thing. Running Boston wasn't even hard. I just ran my pace and I ran my race. In fact, I even ran slower than I might have been able to. I wanted to really enjoy the experience. I finished at the same time with a new personal record, feeling elated, strong, happy, and accomplished. I had finished with a PR in an uphill marathon. But I didn't do it alone. And that's a piece that often goes missing when we set goals. I had a team that I trained with. I was motivated. I had people cheering me on. All of that input was key to my success. And it meant, after the fact, that I was a training captain for some time. I helped other people achieve their goals, surmount what they thought was impossible. Now, 14 years later, my goals aren't what they were then. And being honest about that, too, is critical to successful goal setting. I'm not looking to be the person I was at 33. My physical needs are different. I have two kids now, and I need to spend more of my free time with them. So marathon training would simply take too much of my time away from work and away from my family to really make sense right now. So in the spirit of accountability, I'll share with you what my health and fitness goals are for 2024 and beyond. I want to feel healthy and have bountiful energy. This is my number one goal. 
On this count, I'm winning most days, but I have to admit that over the course of the six months prior to this recent gym shift, I was starting to feel my age. I found I was having difficulty sleeping through the night because I just had too much of that nervous energy left over from the day. I didn't feel as strong. It felt like I might throw my back out if I lifted my kid wrong. So really, I'm going back to this goal. I want to feel healthy and have bountiful energy. I want to lose some weight, probably like many of you. Now, how much weight depends largely on my muscle mass, so I'm not defining a number right now. At 47, I'll acknowledge it's a little harder to gain more muscle mass than when I was 33. This will mean that I have to be careful about getting enough protein to support my workouts each day. I'm already healthy, but I'm a little fluffier and less toned than I want to be. Now, I'm already seeing progress, so I'm pretty happy. And I want to get, this is a kicker for me, seven and a half to eight and a half hours of quality sleep every night. Now, this one may be harder to achieve than the above two, if I'm being perfectly honest. So I decided to get myself a couple of gifts for Christmas this year to help me get there. Because sometimes we need tools to achieve our goals, right? First, I bought myself an annual subscription to the Reverie app because I'm a believer in what Dr. Spiegel has put together. The app has already helped me to return to sleep in the middle of the night when I sometimes wake and then I get that busy brain going. Or I also use it with my kids to help me kind of relax. It's something that I value. You know, it gives me these mindful moments and, and check-ins that, that help me to just remain more centered. And second, I bought myself a Samsung Galaxy Watch 6 Classic with cell service, so it's an extra 10 bucks a month. That's a splurge of about $350 plus the $10 a month for the cell service. Now, this tool will not only help me to track my fitness, it tracks sleep and also provides access to key relaxation apps. Plus, it removes a few other barriers to achieving my other health goals. You see, I love to hike with my dogs and sometimes by myself without the family. It's incredibly quieting to be able to do so. It's my own brand of meditation through nature bathing and physical exertion at the same time. But you see, here's the problem. I've sometimes decided not to go for that hike because I didn't want to ha carry my phone with me. And I also worried that I might, I don't know, sprain my ankle or injure myself in some way or have an issue with my dog and not be able to get back to the car and not have my phone on me. Or I might have to wait for another hiker to discover me before, let's say, night fell. This has happened to me before. I mean, that's what happens when you do a lot of trail running at dusk. Um, that was part of my marathon training. I did fall in the woods kind of late and um, struggle to get back to my car without an ability to reach anybody. So it's not like this isn't a possibility where I'm going hiking. The ability to therefore have on my wrists something simple that is waterproof, that also has basically an SOS mode and I can call 911 if I need to, no matter where I am, is, is incredibly helpful. So it's something that has just given me that little added assurance that I needed to put that kick in the pants and get me to stop saying no to those moments. So the message here is simple. Remove another barrier, gain another healthy habit that's easily integrated without stress. And as far as my health goals go, that's it. Three ultimate goals. Better sleep each night was the last one. Lose a little bit of weight 
and feel healthy and strong with bountiful energy. And I think I can get there. I have assurance that I can get there if I just keep track of my health goals and I'm honest with myself. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't share with you also a few key supplements that can aid you on your journey to reach your health goals. First and foremost, not a surprise to the audience here, I'm sure, I will say Orlin Nutrition's Omega-3 or DHA. And this is simply because every single cell in your body really requires these fats to operate optimally. That's 37 trillion cells that require them for optimal function. Half of the fat in your brain and eyes is made up of DHA, so it's really imperative you get enough of that fat too. And each of them work together to support recovery from physical stress, from trauma, from inflammation. They support a healthy mood. So what's really not to love? Plus, Orlo's omegas are in that polar lipid form. So, hey, we're removing barriers here. You don't have a fishy burp. It's easy to swallow. The pills are small. It just makes it really a worry-free supplement. So I encourage you to add this one to your regimen, whatever your health goals are. Number two is something I don't think I've talked about on this podcast before. And I really got thinking about this specifically as I was thinking about my marathon training. And that is D-ribose. D-ribose is my absolute favorite for pre-workout. It is elegant and simple. It is sweet. It's delectable, delicious. (laughs) I credit D-ribose for actually improving my fastest mile by a full minute at my height of training. And the reason is simple. D-ribose is your muscles, is how your muscles use sugar, I should say. Is basically the downstream component of what your body turns sugars into for use in your muscles. This means that it doesn't get stored as fat. If you were to take a tablespoonful of D-ribose and just try to sit still, good luck. You're going to be fidgety, right? Now, if you put some in your coffee and you don't get up and move, you will feel that. But if you do the same thing and go for a run or lift weights, you'll be surprised at how powerful you feel. I just love, love D-ribose. The third is a daily protein shake. I love them because getting enough protein is critical for retaining and building muscle mass. It's one of the only ways that I'm able to easily hit my macros and get enough protein each day. My protein game is so good at this point that I mostly get unflavored plain proteins and doctor them myself. While I prefer to eat mostly plant protein, um, I really do like whey protein for this particular thing. I find that a responsibly sourced organic whey protein performs really well for me. Um, I get an unflavored, regenerative organic certified whey protein, and then I blend it with cranberries, nuts, seeds, berries, green matcha powder. I really like Macrolife Naturals Green, so I'll often use that. And sometimes half a banana or some stevia to sweeten it up a touch. It's really good. And I enjoy drinking it every day. Again, getting to that healthy habit that you enjoy. Scratch that dopamine edge. Feel good about it. I really can't say enough about building a protein shake game. Create your own. It doesn't have to be complicated. You could just take um, a couple scoops of something you really like and throw it in a blender with some ice and water if that's what you want to do. Or you could do something a little bit more refined like what I do, creating a whole foods daily protein shake. Number four, Orlo's immunity boost. Frankly, I hate being sick. 
I don't know if you can still hear it in me, but I had a little bit of a head cold during the holidays. And while I didn't get sick that often this last year, and I haven't been that sick that often, I get taken out about once a year. And sometimes it's because the kids bring home something. Um, Well, guess what? I find that I recover rather quickly and that I'm almost never so sick that I can't function for more than about a day. I attribute some of the success to Orlo's immunity boost because it provides Icelandic ultra spirulina with a full suite of natural antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals, including vitamin B12 and its most bioavailable methylcobalamin form and iron. Now, iron is something that women often struggle to get enough of, especially if we don't eat red meat. And iron is critical for a lot of functions in our body, especially if we're still menstruating, right? But it helps us build stronger bones. It helps keep our immune system strong. It helps to create cell walls that are good. Um, Plus, you know, it also has integrated a full spectrum of B vitamins for natural energy and also vitamin D3, which are nutrients that I simply love. You know, vitamin D3, what do you call it? It's the uh, sunshine vitamin, right? So it helps you to have a rosier outlook on life. And when I get my levels checked in my annual test, I'm often a little low if I don't supplement. So getting a 1,000 IU a couple times a day with that supplement is incredibly helpful for me. This combination of nutrients supports healthy immune function all year round, and it's easy to take with just two sprays in the mouth each day. And last but not least, I would be, you know, really doing a disservice to you if I didn't mention something that really helped to support a strong gut health. And my favorite product in this category is Healthy Trinity by Natrin. Now, there are so many different styles of of probiotic or gut health supplements out there, but this one has always helped me. Many of my nutritionist friends also love this product because it helps support healthy digestion with a combination of three different probiotics. So what is the the old saying that we've all heard before? You are what you eat. I don't think that's exactly true. We could rewrite it to you are what you absorb and getting your gut health right will really improve your absorption of key nutrients and minerals. So by providing this complex of three different probiotics in one pill, this product provides an easy daily solution to support complete digestive health. Now, while I don't take this every day, I do find that I run to the store about once every three months to get a bottle. It's like a a gut reset, and I really love it. So with that, I want to say to all of you, I hope that you found today's episode informative and perhaps inspirational. I would love to hear how you're focusing your efforts in 2024 to achieve your health goals, what practices are working for you, and what do you feel you need to change? And as a gift for all of our listeners, I'm creating and posting on the blog page for this episode, a template for a daily health journal. You can feel free to use it or adapt it or create something that's a revision of it for your own needs. Before I close today's episode, I want to summarize the primary points that I've covered today that will help you plan for and create more health success in 2024 and beyond. First, when you create your health goals, be honest with yourself. Where are you right now? What is it that you really want to achieve? Ensure your goals are something that you're motivated to achieve. You may need to add some external motivation, and that's okay too. Number two, write down your health goals. 
I honestly prefer to do this with pen and paper. The tactile thing of writing it down actually helps to ingrain that message in you. Number three, work towards your goals with activities and food that you are sure to enjoy. Don't just make it a cardboard and paper style life with the food that you're eating that honestly has the texture and taste of those two things. You want to make something that is going to be fun for you. Number four, be accountable. Choose a way that works for you to remain accountable. It could involve someone else. It could just involve tracking. It could involve being a part of a group, being a part of a training group, or having a personal trainer. And number five, remember to track your progress. Use an app or a spreadsheet or a health journal. Make sure that your check-ins are routine, that they're part of a pattern, and that they allow for you to reset if you need to. That means if you're partway to your goal and you realize you need to adjust something, that you make that adjustment. The goal doesn't have to be like hard lettered. You can adjust your goals throughout the year. That is also key to success. And though I risk sounding like a certain sneaker brand, there's no time like the present. Just do it. I hope that you've enjoyed the, today's podcast episode. I want to encourage you to go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to the show. Each of these things helps the podcast to reach more people. We have some exciting guest interviews coming up over the course of the next few months. And while we're on a cadence of every other week, know that you can always rely on this podcast to bring you quality science-backed information. You can go to our catalog of episodes, a few of which that I've mentioned today, as with Dr. William Lee, Dr. David Spiegel, and Dr. Joseph Maroon, for really great health information. Thank you, listeners, for being a part of this community. And with that, I hope that you'll join me as I raise a cup of my favorite beverage and say my closing words. Here's to your health. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Without Compromise. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to learn more, visit orlonutrition.com and join our mailing list. You'll gain access to complete show notes, features, and informative blogs because nutrition shouldn't be an either-or.